This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another edition of the Chelsea Fancast. 50 years of Chelsea series, and would you Adam and Eve it, we're all the way up to 2003-2004. A very momentous year in the annals of the distinguished history of Chelsea Football Club. Not least, of course, because it marked the arrival of a certain Mr. Roman Abramovich. Uh, and, uh, And... Life really was never the same again, and we'll be talking very much about that tonight. But before I get into all of that, it's a very warm welcome to Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Esquire. Oh, Jitch, how lovely to say. How lovely to be on another one of another these, one, yeah. these shows that just annoy me so much because I'm having to relive the idiocy of the Ranieri period of management. But um, I was accused of being too hard. Ranieri's blew my army. Ranieri's blew my army. Funnily enough, I never sang that, ever. No. You were um, accused yeah, but, of being harsh, but I said, to I be fair, he's always harsh. I'm not always harsh. I'm very, very pleased with some players. You know, um, Mickey Thomas and Joey Jones appeared on Twitter during the week and I gave my praises for them. What a wonderful couple of uh, legendary mm. contributors to the uh, the mythos of Chelsea Football Club. Yes. But, um, but, yeah, no, this has been another interesting season to look at, as we will discover as we... Uh, we go through the months and games and um, the panorama of what evolved in 2003-2004. Who have we got on with us tonight? I mean, we we have our usual our usual brainiac, don't we? We have, yes, the brain. Yes, yes, he he would be. Uh, I don't know if you realise we get to see the real, the uh, the real man here, the real Mark, um, who. Uh, has a brain four times the size of normal, normal human beings. And he lets this is the moment slip and it just bulges out of the screen. And we just see the, uh, we see this moment of this alien amongst us with all this wonderful knowledge. Um, but uh, um, it is of course, yes, the, the brilliant Mark Meehan who uh, never fails to come up with um, 
superb facts about this era, about everything, really. So uh, lovely to see you again with your Champions of Europe T-shirt. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for those kind words, JK. Yes, what a wonderful season to look forward to. Um, yes, as David Dean said at the time, Roman Abramovich is sort of like parked his tank on our lawn and he's shooting 50 pound notes at us. Yes, hard indeed. to believe. Hard to believe it's 19 years I ago. I know. It's amazing how time, Tempest Fugit. Now, we've got another guest. We don't normally, well, we used to have more than the three of us, but then when Mark came on, he had so much information. Uh, we realised that if we got other people on as well, the, the show would be six hours long. Rather so we're looking three. for another six hours today. We are, I, I think yeah, we, it you, might be. It you, might you've, be. Heard, you've heard of a six-pointer. This could be a six-hour, and there's a very good reason for that. Our very, 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 very dear friend and stalwart member of the Chelsea Fancast team uh, is with us, the absolutely lovely uh, Marco Warren. There's a particular reason why Marco is on, not just because we like to see him now and again, uh, but he literally wrote the book on this season. Did you not, Mr. Worrell? Yeah, completely sort of by chance, really, as it as it as it happened, just in terms of uh the way things mapped out um in, in the weeks leading up to the start of the season. So the pl- the plan was already there to write the book. Uh, have, you, have you written a book, Marco? <laughs> Only about 15. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, I mean, the book, for, for those who, who have not read it, and I can't believe there's anybody out there who hasn't read it, it is, it is entitled Overland and Sea, with a slightly youthful-looking Marco on the cover, together with the Gate 17 crew, a motley crew. Are, are some of the car short and casuals amongst that mob? Not in that Not picture. in that one. Not in that no. picture, yeah. But there you go. And I think the, the interesting thing is, is that I can kind of see where I normally stand, but I'm clearly not standing there. So it was taken before I was there, I think. I don't know. When did you take that photograph? That, that's that's actually a second edition copy. Is so it? I think that, that was about 2006. Oh, well, then I should have been in there. Must have been still in the pub, Marco. Yeah. That's my excuse. It usually is. It's a fine book. And I mean, basically, it focuses on, on predominantly the Champions League, but it's got the classic Marco twist in there. So I commend it to you. And we will be obviously talking to Marco all about that at the relevant points during the show. So there is very there are very few people who are more appropriate to be on this show tonight than Marco. Now, uh, a quick little plug for us. If you like what we do, um, we do have a Patreon site, website, page, call it what you will, where um, if you are so disposed to do so, you can bung us a few quid every month i mean there really is no pressure i mean you know there's no pressure if you like what we do great be you know show your gratitude but if you don't don't worry uh if you do uh you will of course be entitled to a kerry dixon mini banner so a replica of the one that hangs up at the matthew harding end um automatically you you can also join our discord group where you can have a lot of fun on match days particularly Loads of really good people in there, and it's it's a good place to let off steam on a match day, but of course, any day of the week, really. And of course, the other thing is that uh, we're about to embark again on our Prem Predictions League odyssey. Uh, and I don't invite people willy-nilly to this, um, you know. So if you're in the, in, in the you know, Chelsea Fancast Patreon, you get first dibs at getting involved with that, and it really is a lot of fun. Uh, all four of us uh, were in it last year. Marco... Uh, you 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 came close to you won our league, didn't you, mate? You are you are the championi, aren't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think I came. Did I come third or overall? I think. Yeah, of the whole thing, like two thousand yeah. people in it. Yeah, yeah. But you, you won our league. You won the Chelsea Fancast League. 
Yeah, I'm now, I'm now, um, but I, well, I won a few quid for coming third, which is quite nice. Did and, you? Uh, and then I've, I've, I'm now entered in the, the League of Champions. Ooh. So that's like a, a separate league with all the different league winners. Love it. So um, it's like the Champions League or the European Cup, really. Conference League, I think. Okay, fair enough. Well, you, you're you definitely the Chelsea fan cars, Prem Predictions League champion, that's for sure. So if you want to come and bat, do battle with us, come and join us. Uh, you don't have to be a Patreon member, really. I mean, I'll let anybody in, but uh, I'll put a little email about it. Now, we always start the show off, other than me plugging Patreon, um, with... Uh, with, uh, which is, by the way, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, I should say. But we always start off by looking at the kit. Now, there is a slight kit. There, Well, there are two kit changes here. I am, as JK will, will validate, I am still sporting yet again uh, the away kit from last week or from last the season. excellent away kit. Well, it's now the third kit. It's been relegated to the third kit, but it's still valid for one more year, uh, which is why I deigned to wear it. Uh, and the reason why I deigned to wear it is that I didn't buy... Uh, a the home kit, which is very similar to the previous years. We've got we've now got a V neck rather than the collar. I, I have a feeling, J.K., if my memory serves, that this was actually a reversible kit. Was was this the reversible one where yeah, you could wear yeah. it as the football kit and then you could turn it inside out and it would be like casual gear, mate? Is that true? Do you remember that? I remember one of the shirts being casual. I'm not sure that it was this one. Mark it seems was. to think so, yeah. It was it this was. one, was it? Yeah, it had the shirt. Yeah, it was a reversible one. It was um, uh, obviously the blue on the inside and the lighter shade of blue on the... Um, no, blue on the outside and then a lighter shade on the inside that you could wear casually. Yes. I didn't I didn't have that. Obviously, you had a limited edition. <clears throat> no, no, it wasn't. No, that, no. that was the shirt. That well, I've got, the, shirt I've got the shirt. I gave it to my daughter. It's not got a... An interior to it. I'm going to have to ring her up and ask her. Well, did you buy it from a reputable company? <laughs> <laughs> you got a hooky one, mate, didn't you? Come on, be honest. <laughs> well, well, the, the, the Embassy Regal. Well, kid. Marco, I mean, it's it's very. I'm ap- going to ring her. I'm going to ring her now. It's, I gave it to her. It's very apposite that we have you on the show, obviously, because 2003, for you wrote the book. But I I know because I know you very well that one of your favourite Chelsea kits of all time is what you and I did call the Embassy Regal Embassy kit. Because, Regal kit, yeah. yeah, the away, the, the uh, main away kit was this amazing white kit with a dark blue and a lighter blue, or kind of a royal blue stripe down the middle, which, of course, for those that know... Uh, no, it was the that was the same as at Embers. Like you know, you had your Embassy Number Tens. Well, Embassy Regal, that was their fag packet, wasn't it, Marco? Yeah, in in the day when there were, I was just thinking, could you imagine? Imagine if there was some weird rule brought in that all football kits had to be the same and and display like injurious to your health. So all the kits were like black and gold or whatever they are that now yeah. um that that would put a stop to a lot of moaning at the start uh, in the summer wouldn't it well it would although i mean we're hard, hard pressed to have seen kits as good as this in recent years jk um, i i i heard at the time that it was inspired it was an abramovich decision to have that kit was did, did, was he, anything... did, he, did he smoke embassy regal well, one wondered after that, but it seemed that that I, I thought there was a connection with um, 
with a Russian club that he enjoyed that 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 kit being uh, played in, and he came in and said um, uh, that's why the black kit was pushed down to to third because he he made this executive decision to have this as his away kit because he enjoyed those colours and enjoyed that style. That's what I heard as a rumour. Was that um, anything you guys can substantiate? Uh, uh, I heard it was to do with that. Um, it was it had a nod to the Inter Milan kit that they wore once, I think, and and also the 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 the, the kit that is very dear to my heart in terms of style. Uh, the seventy four kit with the the red and green. Well, the ca- the Castrol GTX kit. Yeah, yeah, which is brilliant. Yeah, it is. I, I heard Umbro um, executives decided this kit on the back of a fag packet. Oh, oh, very good. Very oh good. dear me. <laughs> very good. I mean, I like great, great kit. Great I like, kit. yeah, it is. It's one. Of, I think it's one of the best uh, kits we've ever had. Actually, I mean, I'm that fond of it. And that I was like... the kit. That was the kit. They actually. Because um, the first game of that season was Jelena away in the Champions League, and they wore that kit, and I was there. With oh, no, well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. It was also used on the weird overseas tour, but we'll talk about that in a minute too. I like this kit very much. One of my favourite away kits. I like the black one too so much. I bought a shirt and I'm wearing it tonight. I did like. I did like the home kit. I, I don't know. I think I like the other version with the collar so much more that I didn't really fancy this one. I. You know, but it was a nice kit. It was the proper. This color. was almost um, nineteen sixty-one retro. It was wasn't a bit, it? wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a bit. But the other thing was, it was the right color blue. I feel. Yeah, very much. There's so. not been enough of that recently. Anyway, right as we always do, we start with the Patreon plug. We then start with the kit. We like talking about the kit. The next thing we talk about is usually fairly standard. Like last last season, this was a very short bit of the show. This season is absolutely nuts. Because we're about to talk about the ins and the outs, so hold hold it all together for a minute. Gird your loins. Uh, in comes Marco Ambrosio, who was in fact about as good as the rice pudding uh, uh, from which. No, he was no, 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 no. In my the leopard, the no, leopard no, compare him with Sullivan. Better. Much better than yeah, Sullivan. Well, we'll hold that. Well, that's, I'm just getting my getting my digs in early. Anyway, we had him all for right. free for free from Kievo. What I forgot. Which we'd also got Jurgen. Oh, macho. He's ever so. But he basically got injured before he even began and buggered off. But then we got Neil Sullivan on a free from Tottenham. Um, hang on. Ben. What happened to Bosnich? Well, what happened to... I fucking. He, that was a last week's show. That was show. last week's show. Keep up. Sorry. For fuck's sake. Anyway, anyway, be quiet. Let me do the ins and outs. Right. Ambrosio for free from Kievo. Uh, and then the madness really started in earnest. This is when uh, basically Roman Abramovich got his checkbook out and went basically you know he 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 went like a kind of a like a, a, a um you know um a, a crazy housewife with a checkbook in harrods it was insane glenn johnson transferred from west ham for six million Geremai, as Jonathan likes to call him, transferred from Real Madrid for six million nine nine hundred thousand. Damien Duff, multiple bum with a lump That's right. Anyway, Damien Duff transferred from Blackburn for seventeen million, our record at the time. Wayne Bridge, uh, Winchester's second most famous son, uh, transferred from Southampton for seven million. Juan Varon, the little witch. 
came in from United for 15 million. Joe Cole, my dreams came true with Joe Cole being signed to Chelsea Football Club for 6 million. Adrian Mutu, who nobody really knew much about, came from Parma for 15.8 million. Alexi Smertin came in from Bordeaux for 3.2 million, then was promptly loaned out to Portsmouth. This is where it all started happening. Um, hello, hello, Ern and Crespo, Ern and Crespo. Again, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I always liked him. Brilliant player. He came from Inter Milan for 16.8 million. AC Milan, wasn't it? Inter. No, Inter, you're right. Yeah. Sorry, Inter, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Claudio, Claudio, Claudie, Claude Macalele, uh, who everybody thought was a hell of a player. You know, he'd made Real Madrid, the unsung hero of that Real Madrid side, came in for 13.8 million. Uh, later on, uh, we, we got Scotty Parker uh, for uh, for 10 million from Charlton, but that wasn't until January. So amazing, amazing amounts of players coming. We'll talk about all of that in a minute. Now, outgoing were Albert Ferrer. He retired. Uh, Robert Wollaston went to Bradford City on a free. And uh, Kike De Lucas, uh, he went to Alves for free. I think that was too much. Uh, Franco Zola went to Cagliari for free. We talked a little bit about that on the last show. But sadly, he did not and would not renege on the deal that he had made with Cagliari, even though Roman Abramovich tried to persuade him to stay. But he went because he's a man of honour. Gabriella Ambrosetti went to Piacenza. Jody Morris went to Leeds United for free. Graham Lasso went to Southampton. Ed De Hoy went to Stoke for free. And Leon, Leon Knight went to uh, Brighton for 50,000 quid. Now, I will talk about some of these inns because there has never been a, season, a summer transfer window like it for Chelsea or, in fact, for any club in English history before or since. None of this would have happened had we not uh, been bought by Roman Abramovich on the 1st of July for 60 million quid. Jonathan, do you remember? I mean, it, I mean, you know, Rick in his in his in his kind of history of Chelsea says it's like a JFK moment for uh, for Chelsea fans, or even a JK moment for Chelsea fans. But do you remember where you were and what you were doing when you heard the news? And what was your reaction? Probably in bed. Probably in bed. Where I was well, it would have been in the middle of the day. Time. So as an actor, an itinerant actor, that yeah, wouldn't surprise in, me. In bed, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was phenomenal. The uh, the joy with it, but my favourite of all was was Duffer. Yeah, but what about Roman? What about Roman? When when? Oh, what you mean actually the, when, not the players? When you not heard, you mean when Roman, you heard the news that Roman, Roman buying the club. the club. Well, it yeah. was it was very much an unknown. We had no idea what he was going to do. So what he bought the club, we didn't know what he was going to associate with it. Was buying all these players? You just accepted that um, you know Ken was no more. I would no more no more be referred to as uh, as Susanna's actor friend because um, he wouldn't be about and. Um, uh you just you just accepted there was a change of the guard but you initially um you know i greeted it with my usual um sans froid uh, with my usual just sitting back and thinking well let's see what happens um uh and then as the players started being bought it was um it was completely joyous but at the same time i kept being worried about where and when they would play and whether um he would manage to assemble a side um, that would uh, could actually compete because uh, I wasn't a great fan of the the manager. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was it was as if all one's birthdays had come all at once with the club once once they started purchasing. It was phenomenal. But yeah, there was a there was a sense of excitement, but we didn't initially know what was going to happen. We I don't I didn't think that uh, his immediate reaction would be to to purchase this huge number of of 
of stars essentially because they were all top players each one of them each well they're all with or stars in potential like Johnson and Cole but they were all players that we we had seen and uh, we, we were, I think I, I started thinking what surprises would there be I mean Crespo was a surprise and a wonderful purchase Veron was bizarre I had no idea why that had happened but um, obviously he'd been recommended um, um and Mutu, as you say, nobody had any idea about whatsoever, and then he he completely set the place alight. So, uh, um, yeah, it was a it was a period of um, of great excitement. I have to it say, it was. I mean, to be honest, uh, Mark, I can't. I really, you know, and if you ask me, can you remember where you were and what you were doing when Raymond Abramovich bought? No, I really can't remember at all what I was doing. But what I do remember, there was this period of of. I mean, obviously, we were, I think, initially excited because we kind of knew that we suddenly realised how close we were, were to, be, just to going bust and we realised that we'd been saved. And then there was this rumour that he was really going to splash lots of cash. Everybody was desperate to find out news about who he was and what he was going to do. And, of course, I remember one of the first lovely rumours was that he'd, he'd flown over Sp uh, White Hart Lane because he was thinking about buying them and, and decided that uh, no, that was not for him. Chelsea was a much more desirable uh, area and commodity. Of course, there was lots of, uh, if I was, you know, um, if I was a, a, a crow, I'd shit on the bosses below kicking around at the time with reference to that. So, I mean, was that kind of similar for you? You were desperate for news because you were always quite close to what was going on. Uh, this actually took me by surprise as well, you know, despite sort of like people I knew was in the club. And obviously, as we finished the following, um, the previous season, with with the club, obviously getting into the Champions League, but the concern over the, the financial deficit. I was working in Camden at the time uh, in, in Kings Cross, um, so regularly on my way home, like most Londoners, would pick up the Evening Standard. Don't know why, but it becomes a habitual Londoner's habit. Uh, and I think Abramovich arriving probably got me to make sure I picked up the Evening Standard even more frequently because literally. Once he got his feet under the table, there was hardly a day goes by where you weren't reaching for the standard. And, and we were on the back page because we'd bought another player. And it was just exciting times, incredible times. You just couldn't, you know, you had to pause and think, what is going on here to our club? But really exciting, where we'd been, real risk of going out of business. And suddenly, you know, we had this billionaire, you know, willing to spend a phenomenal amount of money on improving our team. And it was just like kids in a candy store. But, he bought some of the world's best players. Money, you know, just went out the window. It was no object. He had a Verona in his pocket. He got Johnson from West Ham. Yeah, and if you want the best, well, don't ask questions because Roman is your man. He was indeed. Great times. I mean, I remember, Mark, at the beginning of the season and around that time, I mean, we were all shouting, we're fucking loaded, la, 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 la. Yeah. I mean, it was joyous, wasn't it? I mean, because I think the context of this is that actually, you know, I mean, as, as we were talking about last week, there wasn't an awful lot of money in the game. People weren't, clubs weren't spending big money. And then there's Roman coming in, making, you know, Duffer at 17 million was our record, but he was spending way over 10, 15 million for a lot of players. Unheard of. And it did nothing but instill us with huge amounts of joy and, and confidence, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I, I, one, one comment I remember at the time, I was talking to somebody about this, Sort of a couple of months ago or three months ago, whenever it was that um, the the ownership finally changed again. Um, that Tony Banks, God bless him, um, 
made, made a statement uh, along the lines of, who is this man? Is, is there a fit and proper person test? And he got immediately shouted down, <laughs> shut up. We want him to spend loads of money. Who cares who he is? Or where it's um, from. Or where he's from, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I kind of, I remember, um, I do remember that summer and I, I didn't really, you know, it was kind of different then because social media didn't exist. So, you know, if that had, if that happened today, and let's face it, you know, the circumstances around Roman's departure were played out on social media. Um, and, you know, and obviously the, the circumstances were quite um, abrupt and, you know, far-reaching consequences, etc. And and ditto when Roman came in, except, you know, all it was was a case of sending text messages to your mates and, um, you know, or picking up the phone and speaking to people. But there was no platform um, to, to discuss it or nobody, no ITKs with inside info. <laughs> You had to go and find it all for yourself. They, so they, they wouldn't have been able to keep up, mate, would they? I mean, well, no, their, their bullshit um, lies would have been surpassed yeah. by the reality. I mean, I think that just kind of added to the mystique, yeah. um, you know, and kind of debt-free wherever we may yeah. be, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the Russian hats. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah we, the we embraced thing, the... Um, Kalimba, we embraced the... the, the um, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say. I mean, it was kind of like no, nobody, nobody really had any great insight, and there wasn't, you know, the, the the really wasn't that degree of information. And although it was, you know, it, it, there was some investigative journalism that kind of shed light on it. It, it didn't really shed that much light on it um, because it, you know, because of the kind of the cloak of privacy etc um so that kind of i think that just made it even more kind of exciting that you know it was like a man of mystery that had bought chelsea i think it was the fact we, we embraced the whole chelsea idea didn't we because we were called chelsea and mm. there were even hats with chelsea written on them little, so the, uh, the bear the bearskin hats and the, and the peak yeah cap. but also yeah. The, even a little peak hat with chelsea and, and the and the uh, the hammer and sickle yeah. on it and it was interesting that ultimately Chelsea became yeah. something to criticise the club for, for yeah. actually uh, supposedly ruining football and taking all this money. Whereas at the beginning, we were quite happy to to uh, to run around saying, yeah, we're Chelsea supporters. But just to talk about the um, uh, him flying over everywhere, I think the I think the story of him going over Spurs and rejecting it because of the area. I just feel everything. I think everything has been has been um, invented around that that whole event. Of him flying because no, it's I've, fact. It's fact, J.K. It, it is fact no, that it's he, fact he went, in my, It's a chidge it, fact. It, it's a chidge <laughs> fact, isn't it? Yeah, there we exactly. Marco's got a badge. He's got a badge got with a hammer and sickle. That, that used to go on that that bearskin hat that I yeah yeah, that yeah. I wear that used to get that was nailed on the front of it. See that badge? Hold it up, Marco. Hold the badge up. Yeah. Up 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 up. Well, stop. Perfect. Brilliant. Well done. Yeah, sorry, J.K. No, no, just the, it was him flying over. I think he did a tour of everywhere, and you know, made the decision that he. It, I, I presume that 
that, that Chelsea looked the most uh, investable in in um, club just because of the area it was in and the, and the uh, debt and the debt. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reality, yeah, the, and, isn't it? And the potential of the debt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much and as we like to more, pretend more, otherwise. Yeah, and also yeah, and the and a chairman willing to sell. I think yeah, there was yeah. that. Uh, yeah, exactly that. Aspect that. Of exactly it as well. that. But here's the thing. I don't know if you said it on last week's show, uh, but one of the things that when the deal was done, um, there was a sort of slight delay because Ken wasn't happy with the 18 million yes. of his share of the deal. And Trevor Burton said to him, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, you'd have got a lot less than that. I'd take the deal if I was you. <laughs> Ken, Ken being typically greedy. Um, yeah. So there we go. I mean, so I think it's hard to really put into words for those of us that can remember and who were there just how completely exciting uh, the whole the whole period was and, 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 and how much we were all looking forward to the season. Now, I mean, you know, as we know, we're, we're currently in pre-season for the 2022-23 season and I have stubbornly and somewhat curmudgeonly ignored everything that's going on, which is why we're actually doing this show rather than talking about transfers that aren't happening or pre-season matches for which I care not one fuck. Um, this season could not have been more more different for me. I was all over this like a cheap suit. I watched every single one of these pre-season friendlies as if they were the Champions League final, uh, which is very unlike me. But I do. I remember us beating the Malaysia national team and winning the Asia Cup. It was the first trophy under Roman Abramovich. People forget this, but it was, JK. They're completely different circumstances, aren't they? they if were, if if a uh, uh, um oh what's that? It's a picture of what what what, what are you holding up there? Hold oh, it up, 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 high, up, high, up, high, up, high, up, up. There you go. Marco's got, Mark's got a picture of the uh, um of us winning the uh, the prem uh, the FA Premier League Asia Cup. There we go. It's for sale in the front there. Yeah, he was he was for sale very soon later. But... He was very much so. Anyway, J.K., um, you were saying you were saying you were saying. No, I th- I think one would be glued i was glued to my set as well if possible being able to watch any of these games because you're you're seeing a completely different well you hope you're going to be seeing a completely different side or, or you you hope you're going to be seeing a side that takes every other side to the cleaners you know the the schoolboy in me is going oh we're going to win every game five nil oh brilliant fantastic what, what do you the mean schoolboy that's normal for you isn't it yeah okay <laughs> Anyway, look, for the record, uh, we did beat the Malaysian national team 4-1 on penal, uh, uh, 4-1, sorry, in, in uh, the, I would imagine, their, their equivalent of the semi-final. We then uh, drew 0-0 with Newcastle United, uh, and then we won on penalties. And then back here, we uh, had a friendly with Crystal Palace uh, on the 2nd of August. We won 2-1, and then we beat Watford 4-1 in a friendly on my birthday. Uh, I didn't go to these, sadly, but uh, I wasn't that into... Uh, into friendlies and pre-season, but uh, I, we were all very interested. Now, the first real match of the campaign was not, in fact, a Premier League match. No, because uh, we'd famously beaten Liverpool in the last match of the season. We'd qualified in fourth place for the Champions League, and that meant we had to play in a preliminary round uh, against a minnow. Now, given that Chelsea had managed to get knocked out of the UEFA Cup for the last three seasons by minnows, and even though Bramovich had bought the club, and even though we had the Embassy Regal kit, and even though we had all these expensive players, I'm sure there were a few of us whose sphincter was was making rapid movements at the prospect of getting knocked out of the Premier uh, of the Premier preliminary round of the of the Champions League. But uh, I didn't go to uh, Zelina, which I think is in Slovakia. But I know a man who did. Marco, 
in, in, a, in, a, in a roundabout... This, I've seen this, the photographic evidence today that you emailed us, mate, of a yeah, picture of yeah, you in yeah. the stand. Yeah, this was, this was an interesting one because I went with uh, young Dave and we, we actually did a Leo Sayer and um, basically flew in on... On the, the flew into Vienna on the morning of the game, hired a car, drove across the border into Jelena or to Jelena, watched the game, drove back to Vienna, um, and, and flew home the next morning without without resting our weary heads on a in a hotel. Um, couldn't I don't think I'd have the uh, the 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 the, the just the the ability to do that stamina anyway. to do it now no no, no. marco on, no. if if you didn't when you got back to vienna after what would have been a long day if you didn't all go oh vienna in the car you were doing yeah it all no wrong. no we did yeah there was a bit of i the thought old, there might be yeah <laughs> this no it was, it was like this means nothing to me <laughs> 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 but yeah no i mean it, it, it was a it was I, I think sort of being at that game um looking back now I, I can remember seeing the team run out um in in that regal kit and there were i think mean, six six new signings in the team I remember me and Dave like looking at each other, going, "Bloody hell! Um, I wonder where all this is going to end up." And then never, never thinking about sort of saying that. It's only kind of looking back now, and you think, "Wow!" You know, you don't, you don't, you don't realize. Or we, we, we didn't really beyond saying, "I wonder where all this is going to go." We never thought about it again, and it's only kind of looking back when you think, "Bloody hell!" It really was the dawn of um, uh, something totally transformational. Well, it was. And of course, how could any of us have known then? I mean, I think it's lovely that that you were part of such history to actually see the first competitive game of the Roman Abramovich era. Just for the record, the debuts were Johnson, Duff, uh, Joe Cole, Geremai, Bridge and uh, Juan Sebastian, the Little Witch, Veron. But actually the team... I'll give you the whole team, actually. It was uh, Carlo Cudicini, Glenn Johnson, Marcel Desai, uh, Frank Lampard, Damien Duff, Joe Cole came on for him, Jeremy, Wayne Bridge, Juan Veron, Ida Good Johnson, John Terry, Mikhail Forsell, who was replaced by Jesper Gronkia uh, on 57 Minutes. And uh, subs were Ambrosetti, Robert Hooth, Mario Melchior, Carlton Cole, and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. So there you go. Uh, and for the... Ro- think- Sorry, go on, so- mate. I was just going to say, I think... I don't really remember much about um, the actual game itself, but what I do remember, um, we, there, there were some some Polish sort of youths there uh, who, who came over. I mean, you know, the, the ground only holds like, I don't know, five or 6,000. There was a couple of hundred Chelsea there and I don't know, maybe three, three or 4,000 home fans. And these Polish lads came up, come up to me and Dave, and they went, um, "Oh, excuse me, um, we are looking for your Chelsea headhunters." <laughs> <laughs> and then they then followed this bizarre conversation that they travelled all the way from Poland, which wasn't actually that far, because I think Poland has a border with with Slovakia, 
and they supported this team called Vidzulods, and they had all these little magazines with them of all the fighting that we know now where they go into the woods and fight each other. Um, and all this stuff, which is all a bit bizarre. And they, they, they come to this game expecting to see the, the, the Chelsea hooligans in, in full flow and got treated to, to nothing. Well, they got treated to you two, <laughs> to you two there watching. Did they, did they decide they wanted to have a, you know, it's a kind of proxy fight with you because the two of you were there? Oh, uh, no. Um, I mean, they, they, they really, they just couldn't believe it. So why, why? And I said, well, th there's nobody to fight, is there? Who are they going to fight? And then they went... Well, we would fight the police. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, for the record, we won 2-0. Uh, Ida scored a header after 42 minutes and then uh, some bloke got a, an own goal, Drano. JK? And just, just to notice that uh, Jimmy Floyd was on the bench yes. and Forsell replaced him. So I'd just like to know what was going on in the manager's No, I don't, I don't think so. Gronkio replaced uh, Forsell. No, no, no. Sorry, I meant... Uh, yeah, absolutely. He didn't come on, but he was... Uh, Forsell had replaced Jimmy. It uh, appears so. Yes. Who knows, wanted... as, as, as uh, Alex Ferguson once said to Henry Winter in a press conference uh, about his managerial acumen, never second-guess the mind of a madman. Okay, Mark. I think if I remember rightly, um, I think this game was shown on the BBC, which was unique for a Champions League qualifying round game. So the imagination of Abramovich taking over Chelsea and the investment and buying all these players, and bearing in mind we were Thursday night Channel 5 the previous season, the BBC actually at the last minute put this game on and showed us against Celine, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Because I remember watching it live on TV, and I'm sure it was on BBC One. I think you're right. Was this because they wanted us to be seen failing, do you think? Probably. No, I, I, I do really think that... It was such an amazing... And it caught the you know, imagination. It, it caught the imagine, amazing thing that Abramovich had done in such a short space of time. I think it really caught the imagination of football fans generally as well. So they put the game on. Yeah, yeah there'll probably be some football fans hoping to fail. But I think the BBC really wanted to show Abramovich's first game. Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah. there we go. So we're off to a start. Um, you know, 2 nil away pretty much wraps the tie up. Uh, so the, the real business, in a sense, all kicked off... Uh, against Liverpool in the Premier League. Um, in the Premier League, as I said. Uh, now, the thing is, uh, we hadn't won there since 1992. We hadn't won at Anfield since 1992, which is a pretty long time. I mean, it's over 10 years. Uh, so that's not, not exactly one of our favourite grounds. Um, I, I was just super pumped for this game. Really, really was. Thought it would be a big test, and I thought we played really, really well. Veron scored a superb goal after 25 minutes. Um, Michael Owen scored a penalty on 79, uh, having actually he'd, he'd walloped it way wide first time, but I think the referee, Steve Bennett, decided that Carlo had moved off his line, so he was allowed to retake it. So even then they were cheating in front of the cop end. Uh, but anyway, he scored on 79 minutes, and then Jimmy Hasselbank, Freud Hasselbank, scored a cracker on 87 minutes. I mean, to be honest, chaps. I mean, uh, J.K. I, I felt I felt uh, really very optimistic after winning there. I have to say, and I I I, I had a real kind of all new era feel about me. And that's one other thing that I'm going to mention that we can all talk about. Really, uh, I I think uh, I think even to this day, I'm the, I'm the only Chelsea fan who actually really was really was really pleased that Juan Sebastian Veron had joined Chelsea. I thought he was a superb player. 
I really do. A really classy midfield player. I thought he was misunderstood, not just by pundits and supporters, but also by his fellow players, because I always felt that he was actually playing brilliant passes that would then go straight into touch, not because he was shit, but because the players that he played with were just not as good as him and they didn't understand what he was trying to do. It was a bit Hullet-like. Hullet used to do that. Yeah, I um, thought he was uh, brilliant, but he well, never thought, really worked, did he? He played wonderfully in this he game. He did, didn't he? Man of the match, I think, actually. Yeah, c- completely phenomenal yeah. in this game. And um, and Jimmy Floyd scored a superb goal, as usual, into high. The, the, his, uh, his ability to control the ball... Um, find the space for the shot and then shoot was just something that I so admired and mm. so uh, reveled in. He, what a wonderful player. Came on for Ida at half-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, but once again, it was these these first two examples of him not being first choice were to be something that the whole of the... I found mystifying. Uh, do you know what, JK? With, with, with the hindsight of a long time, the 20-odd years, but also what we were talking about in the last show, I thought, you know, those comments by Lasso were... were br- I'm going to try and find that book. It sounds like a cracker to read. But yeah. I think I think Ranieri didn't like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And I know, Mark, at the end of the show, we'll get some quotes from the book about uh, Jimmy's own biography and what he said about Ranieri. So I am cheating a bit, but I don't think they got on. And I think that was, as you were saying last show, Ranieri's way of dealing with insubordination was to ostracise you. Yeah. You know, he was a bit of a schoolmaster. He's protecting himself. Chelsea manager to do that. Well, indeed. And he won't be the last. Um, Boys, Mark, Marco, Mark. I mean, were either of you up at Anfield for this one? Oh, I was watching it on uh, Sky TV in the pub. Did you did you feel optimistic after seeing it? I mean, I really did. I thought, hello, hello, this is a new thing. We're going to win the league. I really did. I thought well, this is going to be a brilliant season. It was a massive statement, yeah. Mm. And there's no better way to win the game than winning it with a late goal. Mm. So it's, it was a real big statement winning at Liverpool on the first day, well, the second day, Sunday, the second day of the season. So, yeah, I know we'll talk about August and we'll talk about September, but it, it set us up well for the run we were about to have. Well, it did. And... Uh... Our first home match that season was uh, at home to Leicester. Uh, the Gate 17 massive rule there, obviously. Um, I can't remember much about it, but I, I, yeah, I've got, you know, the thing is, these are the days, Mark, that I, I was buying, pro- I've got them all stashed away in the back there. You know, I should have got them out, but it's like a be real ball ache to do. But anyway, cutting a long story short, uh, Luke Nallis got an, uh, got an own goal on three minutes. Uh, Jamie Scowcroft had the temerity to equalise on 40 to potentially ruin the party. But uh, if you want uh, somebody to rescue a party, Marco, what more do you want than a proper party animal? We didn't know it at the time, but uh, young Adrian Mutu was actually yeah. a party animal. What an amazing debut. I mean, I remember him running around like a dervish. And that, that goal he scored, which is a brilliant goal, kind of summed it up, really, didn't it? But we got we had a new cult hero immediately. Well, yeah. And there was the, I, always rem- I still remember the chant fondly. It was, uh, yeah. chimney, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, 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 Who needs Wayne Rooney? Indeed. Wasn't there also like a root Mutu? We had Hooth. The Hooth Hooth chant was very much like Rip's. Hooth as well. Yeah. Yeah. But he became an instant an instant cult hero, really. The other thing about this game that was a bit mental, there were three red cards in this game. I've completely forgotten this, but uh, yeah. 
Two Leicester blokes were sent off for pretty nasty, violent play, and Geremai two-footed somebody. I mean, has to have to say, it was, it was, if you looked at them, they were all correct. They, they were all correct, weren't they? They yeah, kind of yeah, surprised were, me weirdly, but I'm slightly surprised that that's yeah. the case. Looking at some of these challenges, but uh, in retrospect, but they were all correct. Just to say that Mutu's goal, if you remember, was um, the free kick hit the wall with the right foot, then he followed it with the left foot in, straight to the corner, like an exercise missile. Was, was yeah, it a bap? bap? Yeah, it was a bap. It was an enormous bap. Not a whap. Not a whap. Not a whap. Yeah, not a whap. A bap. A bap. Okay. And, and I remember turning to the person I was sitting next to and going, for fuck's sake, look at that. What a yeah, player this yeah, guy's going to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and it, we were right. He did. He played a fantastic season. And then, uh, oops. Well, we'll get to that in another episode, but let's enjoy let's enjoy him while he lasts. Let's enjoy him at the moment. Fantastic player. He Fantastic. was, he was, he was. Well, he, I mean, his, the, the run he goes on from now on is quite, my God, yeah. what would we do for a player like him? Yeah. Um, anyway, next game is the uh, return leg of the Jelena uh, Premier Preliminary uh, second leg, Champions League, blah, 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 blah. Fairly straightforward, won it 3-0. Johnson scores a debut goal. Uh, scored a goal and uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank scored one on 78. The free kick, uh, there was a free kick. Well, I don't think it might have, I mean, somebody remind me because it wasn't too clear on the on the review. That was a thunder bastard free kick from Hooth. I was a bit, I was a bit confused because I thought that was the goal, but actually they were saying the ref, the, the linesman missed it and flagged it off for not going over the line. Mark, I can rely on you for stuff. Like no, I that. thought that's what happened as well. Yeah, I watched the video the other day. Yeah, yeah. cracking goal, but then it got disallowed. No, I know, but he, but he did yeah. score uh, one that did count. Anyway, three 0 yeah. for that. Uh, next up, we've got Blackburn at home, who have have been on and off a bogey side for us. And guess what? Um, it was our first drop points of the season. Uh, Andy Cole got a brace, but guess what? Mutu he scored. Uh, he scored again. But this is significant for uh, the debut of a player that I absolutely loved and was so chuffed to see him arrive. Mark Hernan Crespo. I I can't tell you how much I love this guy. Brilliant player. Great player. Absolutely brilliant player. Of all the signings, and I know we signed so many players in in, in that window. There was probably sort of. Uh, Two or three players that when we bought them, I thought, wow, so pleased they're playing Chelsea. I think Damon Duff was one. Yeah. I think Joe Cole was the other. And yeah. then the third one was Hernan Crespo. Yeah, yeah agree completely. Fab- fabulous, fabulous striker. They had three fabulous strikers at this time because Johnson was fabulous. Four. Four. With Mutu Crespo, as well, Mutu. If, you, if, yeah. you reckon, if you say Mutu was a striker, I mean, I know he yeah, played yeah. out wide a lot, but he used to yeah, cut in and yeah. score. He was True. a striker. So Mutu, Crespo, Good Johnson, Hasselbank. When I yeah. when I was watching the review back today, J.K., I was thinking, I, I mean, that's got to be one of the strongest uh, attacking lineups we've ever seen at the club. And I mean, including in recent times. I mean, you know, Good Johnson and Hasselbank, you know, had got 50-odd goals between them only two seasons before. Mutu was scoring for fun until he literally went up in smoke. And Crespo is one of the best strikers in the world. I mean, Jesus and a craftsman Crespo as well. Some of his, you admire some of the runs he would make oh, and the uh, yeah. the skill and the ability just to get on the end of stuff. Oh, what a player. Blimey. It's all very lovely, uh, Marco. But um, the interesting thing, of course, which we touched on last week, was that, you know, in order to make way uh, for Crespo and Mutu, it meant that Forsell uh, uh, was loaned out to Birmingham. Carlton Cole went to Charlton. Both had made pretty promising starts in their Chelsea career. Uh, they were never really to return in earnest. I mean, and Forsell scored 19 goals for Birmingham this season. So 
it's one of those really hard things, I think, because, you know, you're not going to say, oh, well, I don't want Crespo. But it, I, I do feel there's a tinge of sadness that this was the beginning of the end for any young players breaking through to the club, really. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. That, that was kind of, um, you know, it was, it was a long road then, wasn't it? Until uh, the, the, the transfer embargo and a couple of players well, coming yeah. through under Lampard's watch, really, wasn't it? It was indeed. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it was kind of right. We're just going to buy players now. Yeah, exactly. um, and the, the end of, and obviously within this, uh, Abramovich did invest in Cobham, didn't he? So kind of the the whole academy thing um, was, you know, had new life breathed into it, so to speak, um, and the players coming through it you know, kind of thick and fast, but that's a different conversation now, isn't it, these days, as to what happens to them. Well, it is, but I, I mean, we, we of course, we had no inkling about it then, but of course, you know, let's be honest, we all, we all love a few of the youth products breaking through. Um, so, but I, do you know what? I, I don't even remember giving it a second thought, to be honest. I mean, we were so pumped up with everything that was going on and having, you know, exactly. world-class yeah. players coming in. I was just, just too loved up on that. JK, one of the really interesting things that came out of the review, the season review, was made me think of you immediately because Ranieri uh, declared that he wanted two players for every position in the squad. And you and I have talked about this many, 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 many times and I've always attributed that to Mourinho. And, of course, Mourinho did also say that. But I and, forgot... And Ken, to Kenyon. To well, Kenyon. Yeah. And I, but I forgot Ranieri, uh, had, had, you know, made made that uh, known. I think, But I think the difference was, was that he knew what to, he, well, Jose knew what to do with them. Yeah, and also they wanted world-class players. Yeah. And you still didn't have world-class players in this instance. They weren't all world-class players. And then you've got the difficulty of how do you keep the world-class players happy uh, if if you don't play them all the time? So I, I had slightly more sympathy for Ranieri in this period, uh, knowing that he was, you could actually say that his tinkering was trying to satisfy everybody and get everybody a go. And yet Mourinho was much more ruthless and would just pick the team best team that he wanted. And some players would therefore be marginalised, which is the way it should be. But I... I I don't think I've attributed that definitely to Kenyon. Kenyon made that statement. Yeah, but Kenyon didn't turn up before. at the club until February. Well, he made that statement as well. But I think I think he specifically said world class players rather yeah. than just two for each position. Because yeah. then that's I'm not I'm not trying I'm not trying to give Claudio any any no no credit I'm, at the same here, time, but... I'm not I'm not being I don't want to give him any credit in this. I'll be be honest with you. I, know I don't. You don't. Think, I don't. But I'm trying to be. As, um, uh, I think. I think. Listen, J.K. I think yeah. we we can we can give this one to, to Ranieri. But let's be honest. You know, a blind bat who'd never coached football in his life would say the same kind of thing. You know, like I'd want two quality players in every position, because you know any of any of us would 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 have done that. It just seems weird that we've always talked about it recently, like this. It was yes. like this amazing yes. thing, and why doesn't everybody do it? You know. Yes. yes. So I mean, I'm just curious the fact that Ranieri was was party to that too, right? In a sense, he's been given them. He's been given. Well, he has. For every position. I mean, how much say it, did he have? He in, or not? How much say did he have in those players yeah. that were brought in? And we we now know probably very little. Chidge. J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. 
But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. You know, Mark. This uh, JK's on the right track. Uh, this is picked up in Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's book. Um, he does cover this season in sort of great detail. And the things we've just talked about, he makes reference to in sort of two different sections of the book. Uh, first of all, he says, bringing in 13 players so rapidly is asking for trouble. And eventually problems arose. Some footballers Ranieri brought in. Interesting, he thought Ranieri brought them in. I don't think Ranieri brought them in. Weren't any better, your point, Chid, than the ones he already had. We wanted to become champions, but Claudio and Ranieri kept on telling us, we have a new squad, take it easy, the team has to grow first. The fans in the press, however, expected more from us than the manager did. Every one of the players wanted to go for the title, but Ranieri didn't always put his best footballers on the field. Instead, he wanted to be friends with everybody. So, yeah, Jimmy's not his enemy here. So, yeah. um, that wasn't always possible with 13 new players. Ranieri thought he could employ 25 players who all deserved to start matches, but that just did not work. In the end, he did see the light, and he eventually fell back on the guys who had done it for him the previous season. He should never have brought in so many new players. By doing so, he lost respect to the guys who had already played for several seasons yeah. for him. I think I think you know. Look, we we should talk about this at the end, really. But why not? Let's strike while the iron's hot. Mm. I do I do have some sympathy, perhaps, with him here. Um, 
you know, because we all know that Roman would have bought all of those players. And, and we also know, because we've been around the game a long time, that if you just dump about six, seven, eight players onto a team, the one thing you're going to do is destroy any morale. I mean, you know, Tommy Tuchel was okay with not having too many players at his disposal last summer because he felt that he had something going with that team. So that, these are all valid points, but uh, we all get to that bit at the end. Um, right, we're into September now. Uh, we 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 wallop Spurs four uh, two. I don't really remember this very well. Even I mean I was there at all of these matches, but for some reason I don't. I think I was just too pissed. I think that's probably my excuse. Anyway, what I do remember was Mutu scoring a brace and being very very happy about it, and also the fact that you know I mean whenever a new player scores against Spurs, it's it's always in my mind it's great. Another Chelsea player that hates Spurs because he always scores against them. There was that feeling. And just to prove the point, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank finished off the 4-2 with a 90-minute goal. Marco, it was the debut of Claude Makaleli. It was. It's, it's worth um, just pointing out there was another quite important signing um, just before this game. Uh, well, Peter Kenyon was lured by um, a seven-figure wage to Chelsea. I think that was... First week of September, he yes, it he, wasn't February, Chidge. It was in fact well September. in the in the I only going on the DVD review. I mean, he may have been lured to Chelsea, but he, he was probably on gardening leave until February. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was on gardening leave. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, wasn't it, Marco? Now you you met him, didn't you? I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you. I mean, what what was your view of him? So so I, I there was a lot of suspicion around him because he was Man United yeah. through. Um, and, and I, I know we'll get to this later, but I remember being at the um, at the away game in, in Monaco and he walked across the pitch at the end after we'd lost and there, were, there was a, a, a swathes of Chelsea supporters chanting, Kenyon, Kenyon, you're a cunt. Um, <laughs> of course. Because, because at that, that time, despite the fact that that game was kind of Ranieri's lowest ebb as a football manager, probably. Um, there, were the, there was all that stuff about bringing Ericsson to Chelsea to manage. And so we we don't want Ericsson. But yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've always seen, and, I, and I, I did when he, he was brought in, you know, Kenyon's a football man and he, and he knew what football was all about. And, you know, despite the kind of feedback that he got at the time, um, I think with sort of looking back now, he was actually pretty good, you know, compared to Gourley, for sure. Um, you know, he, he really knew his stuff. Um, and he's a Magnus fan, weirdly. That is weird. Um, yeah, no, I remember um, when, uh, when Bushes was playing bass for Magnus, he said he was up there on stage. It might have been at the Isle of Wight Festival or somewhere weird. And, and then he sees Peter Kenyon out the corner of his eye in the crowd. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought that was a good signing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, you know, a lot of people like you that I know who, who, who kind of met him had a lot of respect for him. And, and as you said, whatever we've had since has never been quite as good in my view. Uh, now... We carry on our winning streak. We've got Sparta Prague in the uh, the Champions League group uh, matches. By the way, we've got Sparta Prague, Besiktas, and Lazio in our group. 
William Gallas scores a goal on 85 minutes to just give us a 1-0 win. And it's all about the wins in the Champions League, as we know. Uh, the next match is away at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, I happen to miss this uh, because I was away for the weekend near Kings Lynn, of all places, staying with some friends. But I managed to scuttle off to a pub in the weird part of Britain that is Fenland and uh, had an enjoyable afternoon and far too much lager watching uh, watching Chelsea absolutely thump walls. 5-0. It was a brilliant, brilliant performance. Lampard on fire. Hasselbank scoring. Duffer scored. Crespo scored two goals. Always nice to see Crespo score. Uh, we had Villa at home the next match after that. Another 1-0 win. Hasselbank on 43. So by the end of September, we were... In second position in the league, um, I'm just probably to I'm 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 thinking Arsenal, but I'm going to check because you know what my memory's like. So after Villa, the t- the table is yeah, it's Arsenal. We're one point behind the arse, having played one game less, so it's looking pretty rosy as you can imagine. How are we feeling, chaps? J.K. You, we've now seen Chelsea. I mean, they're basically unbeaten this season. We've only dropped points against Blackburn. Oh, I'm very optimistic. Um, I was still worried about the composition of the team. Um, uh, I was intrigued that um, against uh, Sparta Prague, um, Lamps and JT were on the bench. Didn't quite understand what that was all about. but um, He didn't rate Prague, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, well, one hopes. One hopes that was the reason. Um, uh, uh, the, the dilemma I had with with what, all the time with with Ranieri was that because he'd so disappointed me the season before, I was questioning everything nonstop, and um, um, so there was this uh, this slight um, grit in the uh, in the marmalade uh, with with the team, despite them being playing brilliant football. And also, I was such an enormous Jimmy Floyd fan; I wanted him to play regardless. So uh, if he didn't get in. Um, you know, I suppose I looked at the combinations with interest and was very pleased we were winning. But um, Johnson never encouraged me as that he was a defender in all of the whole of the season. Very good coming forwards, but not a great defender. Gallus should have played every game. Completely phenomenal player. And Desai was, as we've established, was sort of in and out in form. I think we was, he, he, he tended occasionally not to... Uh, not to really pull his finger out much in some of the games. He would he would raise him for playing in uh, the Champions League. And Wayne Bridge was practically, uh, was was very decent all the way through and was was ever present practically, wasn't he? And we saw Makaleli play in the uh, the Sparta game, but he was in and out, which once again on reflection, when when he was used so brilliantly by Mourinho, you, you don't really understand as to why Makaleli, who was one of the best players in the world, uh, would only play you know half the games in the season so uh you know i'll i'll, I'll i better stop talking about my criticism of his selection because otherwise i'll be i'll be every single game you'll also you'll get abused on twitter which whilst am, whilst amusing for me might not be very pleasant for you you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean mark you you know I, I again i mean i i was so optimistic about everything that was going on this season i mean remember i'd only had my season ticket i mean this is my second season as a season ticket holder i mean you know this was a person who was Excited that we'd signed Kike De Lucas on a free the season before, so I didn't. I, I didn't. Oh, yeah, oh. I know. I mean, I didn't take much pleasing J.K. As I said to you all last week at the end of last last week's show, you know, I I was just happy to be there. So this was beyond my wildest dreams that we've got players like Makaleli. I mean, we didn't talk about Joe Cole earlier, but 
I, 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 for some bizarre reason, I happened to know a, a, an Everton scout who had scouted out Joe Cole when he was 12 and had told me four or five years prior that this kid was the best player he'd seen at that age since Gascoigne. So I knew about Joe Cole before he went to West Ham and I absolutely loved him even then. So the fact that we'd signed him, I just was, I was just doing, doing bits, mate. But anyway, I'm quite happy. I'm quite positive. We're second in the league, only one point behind the arse with a game in hand. I think we're doing all right. I'd agree. Um, I was pleased. Uh, even with some of my criticism, Ranieri were tempered this season. He was still tinkering a bit. And Jimmy makes reference to that in his book, where he basically says, you know, finally the managers saw the light and realised, for example, that Adrian Nuto and Herman Crespo just could not work together. They were not a good pairing. In the beginning, I played with Adrian Mutu and that went well. But then I was replaced by Hernan Crespo and that didn't work at all. Uh, so Ranieri brought me back. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why you know, Jimmy wasn't playing. Uh, Ranieri was experimenting with the crespo Mutu combination. On the Joe Cole thing, as I said earlier, just one of the, the players I was just so pleased that, that we bought him. I even remember saying at the end of the season, previous season, with West Ham going down, said, yeah, well, if Joe Cole is sold by West Ham, I'd love to come to Chelsea. And I remember Joe Cole for many years earlier. Um, I remember going to a Chelsea youth game where it was Joe Cole versus Jody Morris. At that time, you know, Joe Cole was the, the big young kid playing for West Ham and Jody Morris was the bright young thing playing for Chelsea youth team. And for a youth team game, it was a really decent crowd. And most people just came to see those two players go off against each other. So really pleased to see Joe Cole inside making a difference. I think the only thing on this season, he was involved probably more than anybody, but he did make a hell of a lot of subs appearances. He was like he was the super sub. He would put Tori Andrew Flo and Mikel Forsall to shame this season because he played twenty five games coming on as a sub. But can't complain. End of September, second in the league, good start in the Champions League, and then we play for sickness at home. What could possibly go wrong, Marco? Mm. LC. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I don't remember. Rem- I don't remember being there for this, but I must have been. Well, I, I, at that time, I, I was working for Siemens Mobile, who amongst that, that, who famously at that time were the shirt sponsors of Real Madrid. But in the pre-Samsung days, there were the mobile phone suppliers to to Chelsea, and they had. Um, one of those uh, Millennium Suites, uh, one ne- the, the one next to uh, Roman's box. And um, I, I, it was hilarious when I worked there. I mean, given they had 10,000 employees in the company, every time they tried to give people hospitality, they wouldn't turn up. So in the end, they, they'd like, because the, the MD of the UK business didn't want um, the box to look empty on TV, I'd just get a call saying, Marco, you and X number of mates can come into the to the um, hospitality area. So we were in there and, and literally used to get these lobster tails. <laughs> That's it. Bloody hell, mate. Yeah, um, yeah lobster tails, um, all these whiskies. Like Kerry Dixon used to come in and... Um, spend some time with us, get getting trolleyed. And I, I remember when we went in that game, um, I think uh, it, it kind of like, it all it all went tits up 
very quickly before the half hour mark. They scored twice. And it, and it was obvious to all of us that this was going to be a defeat for Chelsea. So I think we just ended up going into the hospitality in, inside and, and getting smashed. So so the box looked empty anyway. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, you made the right call. Mark? Uh, as Mark, I was talking about Siemens. I, I found it in the programme for that season. And just interesting when you think about mobile phones now, where technology was then. But a Siemens Chelsea mobile, the A52 mobile yeah. phone, cost 89 99 yeah. And you've got a free Chelsea FC screensaver, a free blue as the colour ringtone, and you had polyphonic ringtones, EMS and SMS exclusives. Oh, wow. It's, just, yeah, it's like another world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty horrible evening. We didn't expect this one, that's for sure. 2-0, uh, as Marco said, two goals from Yeltsin. Uh, 25th and 29th. They, they even had a bloke called Man. I like. I want to call him Man Size. It's actually Manzies, but I, the Man Size. He was sent off on 50 minutes. So it was a pretty disastrous night. To add insult or to add injury to insult, Babayaro and Gallis were injured, and uh, Desai too, who's now out for two months. Now, in, at that time, that would have been a blow for us because uh, we liked Desai. Uh, next up, we've got Middlesbrough away, but we uh, we get things back on track with a good Johnson and another Crespo winner. On the 88th minute, uh, sandwiched in between a Nemeth goal. Uh, and then we've got Birmingham away. Uh, now, we're second, as you know. We're still second. We're going... Uh, we do actually draw at Birmingham away. Uh, and we do go top for the first time in the league since January 99. And as a result of all of this, Ranieri's made manager of the month. Lampard is made player of the month. And by the way, folks, having had a really good season last season, it's kind of breakthrough season for us. He just goes up another level this season. More of that later, but Lampard is playing like the Lampard that we got to know and love, JK. Petit um, suffers his knee injury from which he never really recovers, so he's absent for most of the season. Yeah, and I say rather cruelly, we didn't even notice. No. Um, I don't think Petit was a really very good player for us. Do you know what? Petit always felt to me, and maybe this is just my unerring bias here, he always looked like an Arsenal player through and through who never really wanted to be at Chelsea, who was kind of wished he was still playing for Arsenal. He, I, I always had that impression about him, Mark. Yep, good summary. And talking of Arsenal, we go there next, top of the league. Well, we were, weren't we? We were top of the we league were. against our bogey side. So the likes of you and me, who had been right, really fed up with always losing to Arsenal, went there really hopeful, Mark, didn't we? That, ah, this is yeah. our year. We're yeah. top of the yeah. league. We've got load. We're fucking loaded. David Dean hates us for firing money at their, on their lawn. We're going to win, Mark, aren't we? Yeah, it didn't work out that way. Nope. Um, uh, Arsenal take the lead. Uh, Crespo scores a goal. Um, Worldy, mate. Worldy. Uh, got, got goal of the month. Absolutely brilliant goal. So we're backing it after eight minutes. Uh, even game. Yeah, we matched them. Um, but And it's happened in the previous season, I think, in the FA Cup. Cudicini makes a late error where he just misses the ball completely, gives Henri the winner. And you just sort of think, not another bloody defeat to Arsenal. Do you know what? I hate Highbury. I hate Highbury. I never saw Chelsea win there, and that's a spoiler alert. Ever, ever, ever. I never ever saw Chelsea win at Ivory. How, how, how many games did you reckon you did there? Oh, I cut twenty odds. Yeah. Uh, 
That's yeah. mental, isn't it? That's the almost three, like Spurs Chelsea proportions. Yeah, the three occasions where we won there, I wasn't at any of those games. I missed those games. So you yeah. missed the five nil in the League Cup. Oh, no, sorry, I, I did. I got the 5-0 League Cup. I one, never saw two, winning one, the two, league. Three. One, two, three, one, two, three, four. Five four, nil. Five. No, I went to the League Cup. Who game. put the ball in the Arsenal night. net? Yeah. Offer, oh, no, offer. You, I thought I'd never I thought I'd never won there. We won there in the Worthington Cup. Yeah. I never saw us win there in the league. Okay, sorry. fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, Marco, did you happen to wander over to North London for this one or did you do the sensible thing and watch it on telly? No, no, I didn't go to this. And, uh, I, this was actually interesting because Ugly John and myself... Um, did it? We're, we're actually at Highbury to see Johnny Bumstead score a rare goal. Um, I, I, can't, I, I couldn't tell you the the year or. or, or Marco, uh, nineteen ninety. Is it? Is that when the it only was? reason? I, the, the only reason I know is that I I was in a rock band video being filmed in Bradford that day. That <laughs> uh, you can find somewhere on YouTube from a band called Toronaga. So I actually missed the Arsenal game because the band I was working for at the time were making a video for MTV. Bloody hell. I, um... I'm speechless, Marco. Carry on. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't follow that. <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> you were with Ugly John. There we go. You were with Ugly John. Yeah, yeah I remember Ugly John actually yeah. threw up that night. We, we, we got so drunk because we'd seen Chelsea win at, win at Highbury. Um... That he he was actually physically sick, um, which was bonkers. But I, I remember more about that game, obviously, than this defeat. Um, so yeah, not got much to add. Well, I mean, what I will say, I mean, we we do know that poor old Kudacini did drop drop a bollock, as it were to gift Henri the winner. Um, we also know that Crespo did score a brilliant goal. I mean, I was, I mean, they scored on five minutes with Edu. Crespi scores on eight minutes. I was still feeling very hopeful at this stage. The other thing in mitigation, perhaps, I mean, you know, I mentioned injuries a minute ago. So injury struck were we in defence that uh, Huth and Melchior were emergency centre backs in that game, which can't have helped. But there you go. You know, JK is kind of shaking his head in agreement, if you see what I mean. Um, do you want to mention the Arsenal game or should we go to Lazio? No, just to go to mention that, that Melchior didn't play very much in the season. Can't, can't think why. And uh, yeah, and indeed, was still very much a loose cannon. He 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 seemed to just give penalties away. My theory, as well, at the at why ultimately Czech came in was because of errors like this by Carlo, who, despite being a fantastic goalkeeper, was prone to this kind of uh, rick that you just didn't. Um, oh, I think all keepers are really all keepers are well until Czech until Czech who never really was to be fair, yeah. very rarely yeah. did. Next game is a game that lives long in my memory. I can definitely remember being there. I can definitely be remember being there because I will never forget that absolutely brilliant Lampard goal on 57 minutes. This is a this is a prop this is a proper European match in my book. This is why I used to like us being in Europe so you get to play teams that are well known and Lazio were Lazio of course were the team that Paul Gascoigne went to uh, in the 90s. So and if you ever watched Golazzo or whatever it was called uh, on Channel 4 then you know you knew Italian Serie A teams. Uh Simeone uh Inzaghi scored on 39 minutes, Lamp scored on 57 and Muti came up with the winner on 65. But I think in truth I think we battered them Marco is my recollection. I thought we were much the better side that night and it was really good to see us you know, having been knocked out by minnows in Europe for the three previous years, actually kind of competing properly in Europe against a big European side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, because Lazio scored early on, 
they they kind of reverted to kind of the traditional catenaccio mm. style of uh, Italian play um, and just tried to soak it all up. So uh, obviously with the, the talent that Chelsea had on the wings, um, it, it just made for a, a, a good spectacle come war of attrition. Um, and, you know, best, the, best the, the team that was there to play football won the game, um, which was good to see. Uh, you know, at a time when, um, you know, I, I think if that game, in the, without those players, uh, they'd have scored that goal inside 10 minutes and ground out a 1-0 victory. Um, such was the motivation to, to try and improve on things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it was... It was a good game, and there was lots of lots of uh, puffer jackets and sunglasses down there, pulling <laughs> road before the game. They would indeed. I mean, I, I, without sounding a bit controversial, I mean, I do remember also at the time there was a bit of a love in between the Lazio and uh, yeah. yeah, and the Chelsea fans for for let's just leave it at political reasons and uh, <laughs> and say no more. But there was really M- Mutu's goal was another. Um has his shot blocked and he then hits it again and slams it into the corner. Very, very, uh, very, very clever player at this time of his career. Well, let's 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 have a brief uh, interlude and talk about Mutu, shall we? Because he scored one, two... Oh, God, this is so tedious to try and count. But he scored two, three, four, five, six goals already. And we're only in... Uh, halfway through October um, the man's on fire I mean I said earlier on he became an instant cult hero the minute he scored against Leicester on his debut but he he kept on popping up with goals Crespo's cropping up with a few as well although everybody's saying he's not very good and he's missing chances and there was all these rumours about him being homesick and stuff but he was still scoring goals you got Hasselbank scoring like a raging bull because he's angry about being left out Good Johnson, who's so laid back, he's falling over. Whenever he plays, he scores. So you know what we were saying earlier on, J.K., about we've got these amazing four strikers. They're all getting games, and they're all scoring goals. Marvellous, isn't it? Jumpers for goalposts, marvellous, isn't it? <laughs> but um, it was interesting to hear that, that, that uh, Jimmy didn't think that uh, Crespo and Mewtwo played particularly well together, but uh, I think they still scored during the period they were paired. Um, but um, uh, it was a, it was a it was a fantastic dilemma to have, really, wasn't it? With you've got these just great four absolutely terrific players. But my 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 um, my heart went out to Jimmy, who was you love Jimmy. He, he was yeah, he was thirty two. I love and, Jimmy too, man. And quite the most phenomenal striker of a ball I think one has ever seen. The the ability to hit the target just by. Just looking for space. I just and his, his and also his unselfishness. The number of goals that he assisted as well, getting to the byline and belting in, and then somebody's on the end of it. You need everybody, but needed to be um, at the speed of the team was also something that was very very praiseworthy. With particularly with Frank, Frank getting on the end of so much stuff or running into the penalty area, um, the, the desire to score and Frank's fitness and speed was just remarkable. Um, and as you say, he just get he's, this is he gets a big better season. And better, doesn't Frank. he? 
gets better and better and better. And yeah. Duffer and the counter-attack. I mean, one of the things that I, I noticed a lot about this season was how quick we were on the break, the passing. Every, everything was just better quality than we'd seen for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, after the uh, home win against Lazio, we, we play Man City at home. Uh, but the two highest scoring teams in the league, apparently. So therefore, it was destined to be a 1-0, which it was. Hasselbank scored. We then have the Carling Cup round three uh, and we play Notts County. Um, typically, this was a bit dodgy for periods of the game. We won 4-2. Um, Hasselbank opened the scoring with an absolute worldie on 14 minutes. Barris equalised. Then Ida scored two goals uh, on 36 minutes, 65 minutes, one of which was a penalty. So that's 3-1. Then they made it 3-2 on 67 minutes. And then uh, Joe Cole, you know, got the the winner, if you see what I mean, on 87 minutes for his first Chelsea goal. It was uh, Ambrosio's uh, uh, debuting goal, uh, which might explain the 4-2. And guess what? He was uh, responsible for an absolute howler. Dropped the ball into the net, as I recall. Um, The other notable thing about this, and I remember this because I was there. I think I was sitting... Bizarrely, I think it was sitting in the in the East Stand that night. But um, uh, Notts County were in real trouble, and they were one of the the founding members of of, of the of uh, the league, I think, back in God knows when. But they were in real danger of going going bust. And we did a, a wonderfully uh, generous thing, and we basically had all of the players sign their Chelsea shirts, gave them Notts County, so they could auction them off for money. Which I remember, I remember anyway. But it, they mentioned it in the DVD as well. Uh, we finish October in first position, which is all good. It's all looking wonderfully, wonderfully lovely. Um, I have to say, um, very unusually, because of recent history, remember my little ditty, remember, remember, we're shit in November. Well, not in 2003 we weren't. So we're in first position in the league. And then we go through November unbeaten uh, without conceding one solitary goal, uh, starting with Everton away, 1-0. Uh, Mutu props up with another goal. Uh, and then we have uh, what is, for many, uh, one of the most remarkable performances and games I've seen in the Champions League, certainly up until that point, uh, but also a remarkable trip, which we will hear from these chaps in a minute. But uh, to give you the highlights, we basically absolutely smashed Lazio away 4-0. Just to give you an idea of what an amazing result that was, uh, that was our, fir- our first win in, in Italy, and it was the biggest win by any team on Italian soil. Sadly, Arsenal then cuffed somebody 4-0 soon afterwards, so it didn't last for long. But nobody went over to Italy and did them 4-0. Certainly not Chelsea. Uh, Crespo opened the scoring. Good Johnson got one on 70. Duffer scored an absolutely superb goal. Uh, and Lamps got one on 80. Uh, mm. The other interesting thing about this was the awful Siniza Mikhailovic, one of the biggest shitheads in football of all time. Uh a really nasty piece of work. Did I, I mean, Marco might know this. Mark, no doubt, will as well. I mean, he was pretty much responsible for, you know, the, the, the war in Yugoslavia. It all kicked off, didn't it, with Red Star Belgrade against the other team they really hate. And I'm sure he was involved in that. He almost started a fucking war, this guy. Well, he, he, he kind of tried it again in the Lazio match, uh, not least because he spat at Adrian Mutu for which he should have uh, have been sent off. And then he finally got his marching orders on 52 minutes for hacking Duffer down. What an odious little shit that man was. But that was not the most exciting thing that happened because Mark and Marco were both there and had tales to, or have tales to tell in their trips to the Eternal City. I'll start with you, Mark, and then we'll have Marco's version. Because um, they're weirdly, weirdly <laughs> parallel, aren't they? That's the funny it, thing. It, it's, uh, again, one regret is... Obviously, three-game group, and I opted to do this trip. 
and I didn't do Besiktas and didn't do Sparta Prague, which will cost me later when we talk about Arsenal. Um, great trip to the Eternal City. Um, flew into, I don't know how to, is it Fiumicino Airport? Got the Leonardo Express train into Rome. Did all the tourist stuff, as you would do. My first time in Rome and being back, it is a beautiful city. So we did Piazza Navona, we did the Trevi Fountain, we did Spanish Steps, did the Colosseum. But then obviously you have beers with Chelsea. So great time you know, had in Rome, get a tram up to the stadium. And as you say, absolutely tremendous performance by Chelsea. Our biggest win in Italy, we win 4-0. Um, but then there's a lovely moment at the end of the 4-0 after the game, because unfortunately, as is often the way on um, Champions League away games, we get kept behind for what felt like an eternity afterwards. I think well, it probably... is the eternal city, mate. It's only fair. <laughs> Very good. Uh, probably close to midnight we were kept in. So while we're there, and obviously everyone's in a very good mood, you know, we're top of the league. We've just beaten a very good Lazio side who, like us, were probably favourites in the group 4-0. So John Terry first brings out Gianfranco Zola because Chelsea fans hadn't had a chance to say goodbye you know, properly when he joined Cagliari uh, in the summer. Uh, and after Zola gets a tremendous reception from the travelling away fans, and it seemed like there was a massive Chelsea following there, six or seven thousand, felt like. And then John Terry brings out Roman Abramovich, so it's probably the first proper sighting everyone had had of this mysterious man who put billions into Chelsea, and he he came out and applauded fans as well. So everyone just was in good humour. The only downside was being kept behind so late that by the time we got out. All the trams and buses had finished for the night around the stadium. So we had this long walk back to the city centre. Uh, nice walk along the River Tiber. So see a bit of Rome, a bit of scenery. And I think probably about a mile from the centre of town, I think we picked up a local bus to Termini. And then we just jumped the cab back to our hotel. But really, really good trip. Mm. Marco? Yeah, I would underline that. Um, two, two things stick out for this from this game. One was perhaps the most ridiculous, um, I don't know whether you'd call it a stat or bit of trivia. Young Dave came out with a statement uh, uh, when we were in the in, in the ground and he went, oh yeah, he said, uh, yeah, the Lazio keeper, he played for Ipswich um, against Chelsea exactly a year ago today. Uh, this was a lad called Matteo Sereni, who, who didn't actually play for Lazio um, in the game. He was on the bench. Um, but, but that was just like, a, a, I mean, I know, you know, obviously JK and M2 are fonts of all knowledge when it comes to Chelsea. But that was just like the bizarrest bit of trivia um, I'd ever heard. And then after the game, we too had the delights of walking back five kilometres into uh, the, the the city centre, except we, we got pissed off with walking after about three kilometres <laughs> and and then started trying to find somewhere to have a drink and ended up in um, this, this, this bar called the Black Falcon, which um, was actually a darts club. I mean, it was just bizarre. <laughs> So we got in there and it was like, I don't know, I don't know, two in the morning. And we, we, we like played darts for about two hours with, with these, um, there were Roma fans. They hated Lazio. So we were all heroes and had beers bought for us. And, and yeah, and, and then eventually 
um, we, we wound our way back to uh, the, the, the city centre when public transport got going again. But I mean, I, I just, we were just like laughing going, because I, I kept saying to these guys, so, so like you guys come on a midweek evening and play fucking darts at, until like four in the morning. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do during the day? And one of them went, we, we come here and practice darts. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like Italy. Uh, I mean, who ever heard of Italy playing darts? Well, Italians no. playing darts. First I've heard of it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Mark? Uh, I've, I've Googled Mihailovic. Um, yes, you're right. He was at Red Star Belgrade. There's, there's a sad tale to it as well, despite him being a horrible person on the football pitch. During the Croatian War of Independence, his home was destroyed by Croatian forces, among whom was his childhood best friend, an ethnic Croat, forcing his parents to flee. His maternal uncle called his mother and said she should stay in Barova, while her husband, Sinisa's father, was to be killed. When the Serbian volunteer guard took over Barova, they captured the uncle, found Sinisa's telephone number in his address book, called him and asked if they were relatives, and as a result of that, his life was saved. He later said in a 2016 interview he had forgiven his childhood friend um, in a meeting in Zagreb prior to Euro 2000 game between Yugoslavia and Croatia. Did he, did he not? Was he not responsible for it all kicking off in that Red Star Belgrade game, though? It doesn't say that he was responsible, but cle- clearly, you know, you know he, he was clearly a victim of what happens with his home being destroyed, did, his family home. Did, wasn't he a mate of Arkans and stuff like this? I mean, there, there's some mental shit about him. Anyway, we'll, we'll, could do, be, could we'll, be. we'll do a special documentary all about Mikhailovic another day. <laughs> but... a future, we'll, future, we'll get him on call him my, my Chelsea or my, my Red Star Belgrade. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sinisa... He was retrospectively yeah. done for eight games, wasn't he? For the, yeah, for he was. Yeah. No, he was. So, you yeah. know, first question. So, Sinisa, Sinisa, are you really a horrible little shit? We just need to get that cleared up right now. Anyway. Um, right, but next up, we've got Newcastle at home. We absolutely wallop them 5-0. Um, really good. Actually, the funniest thing of this was O'Brien getting sent off, actually, as I recall. Uh, but we're now top scorers in the Premier League. Johnson scores on 25, Crespo on 40, Lampard scores a great pen on 42, Duffer on 78, Good Johnson 84. Um, do you know what I'm minded of, JK? Tell me, Chidge. Who put the ball in the Newcastle net? Um, Tony Cascarino. No, Arthur. Arthur. Arthur fucking Arthur, Chelsea. Arthur, Arthur fucking Chelsea. Exactly. Sorry, I have this terrible memory of a of a man uh, outside when I was living in Tooting and Cascarino scored for Ireland, the Irish family. Who put the ball in the English net? Tony Cascarino! And that will always stay in my mind. Always. It's, it's always him. I'm, I'm very sorry. You should seek help for that one, I think. Um, now, this is kind of a little bit off the radar because it's not really about a Chelsea game. But shortly after this, England played Denmark, talking about Arthur fucking Chelsea. Well, against Denmark, England fielded Arthur fucking Chelsea because we had Ch- uh, we had John Terry, Glenn Johnson, Wayne Bridge, uh, and Joe Colt and Frank Lampard all representing uh, England, which is quite something. Uh, I loved it. I, I loved, loved it. That. Yeah, I loved it too. I loved it too. I quite liked England in those days because they were playing Chelsea players. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we then have Southampton away. Uh, Mario Melchiot, the much uh, derided Melchiot, scored a great goal on forty-seven minutes. 
Then we have Sparta Prague in the uh, Champions League. Uh, I don't remember this at all. I really don't. Probably because it was dull. Was it as dull as I remember it, Marco? Nil-nil? I, I really don't. I've got no recollection yeah. of this thing at all. Best I mean, forgotten, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think we hammered them but couldn't put the ball in the net, as I recall. It seemed to happen a lot, actually, at that time. Frank, you see, it seemed to hit the bar an enormous amount. He did. He did. He did. He did. Um, now, we then have... Uh, always for me and for most of us a massive massive match during any season it's when you have man united either home or away and of course this year the visit of man united was the visit of the champions of the premier league um this was a cracking match wasn't it mark um just to you know tell everybody what happened uh lampard scored a penalty on 30 minutes which meant we won one nil but uh a lot going on besides wasn't there big big win big big game playing the, the league champions. At that point in the season, Arsenal were top with 33 points. We were second at 32 and Man United was third at 31. The nearest team then was Charlton Athletic, Charlton Athletic at 22 points, nine points behind. So already the top three are sort of like stretching out from the rest of the field. Uh, Lampard gets a crucial penalty, um, clearly a penalty. He had a great game in midfield that day. Roy King, uh, foul Joe Cole. Sorry, Roy. Definite foul. Um, uh, interesting uh, off the field stat. Clearly, big game for Roman. Uh, he actually invited 400 of his friends over from Russia for this game. So they clearly saw Chelsea Ch- Chelsea win. Um, and I, I would say we've had a really good start to the season. Some good wins, some five nils. But I actually think at this point in the season is our most important win of the league so far. Uh, we went top of the league as Arsenal only drew at Fulham that weekend. So we're actually back above the Gunners at the top, top of the table. And the other thing as well is, because um, they're both big big Chelsea supporters, before the game, I think whether it might have been a Neil Barnett thing, Clive Woodward and Lawrence Delalio um, did a walk around the pitch to deafening applause from everybody because it was on the back of, uh, obviously, England's Rugby World Cup winning side. And if memory serves... When when did England win the World? I mean, I know it was two thousand and three, but was it was it in the spring? I thought it was in the November. Right. No, it was yeah. two two thousand. No, it was in the spring. It was in the yeah. spring. It was in the spring, wasn't yeah. it? It was. It was the. Uh, I thought that was the day that I I went to watch Saints with my Reading ticket. Hmm. I think you're right, J.K. It was definitely spring. I remember going to the parade with Doctor Mar actually, and I filmed. I filmed it on this little video camera, and bizarrely, I used footage of that in several documentaries that I made because nobody. I'm not, had... an egg, I'm not an egg chasing fan, so yeah, I'm, I probably won't won't recall it exactly. I wanted to marry Johnny Wilkinson at the time because he'd basically enabled us to beat Australia, and I I don't care if we beat Australia at Conkers; it's massively important. Anyway, yeah, massive win for us. As Mark said, we're we're in first position going into December. Uh, we're then back into Carling Cup action, round four. Uh, the legend that is Neil Sullivan makes his debut, uh, but we, we still managed to win in spite of that. Uh, Hasselbank scored on 57 minutes. Dirty leads away. Very frustrating, this. Uh, it was a one-all draw. Pennant scored a brilliant goal. Duffer equalised on 70. So the first points we've dropped for, you know, I would say uh, a couple of months, if my memory serves me. No, yeah, we dropped points against Birmingham in October, so roughly a couple of months. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. We then have Bajiktas. Now, the weird thing about this is that there had been some terrorist activity in Turkey, which had basically forced UEFA to move 
the venue of the Besiktas away match away from Turkey and they basically played it in Schalke which could not have played more into Besiktas's hands because of course there are sh- there are loads of expat Turks living around Gelsenkirchen so when Chelsea went there there were only 400 Chelsea there uh, and I mean it was like playing an East End bull uh, or, or even Galatasaray, dare I say. Anyway, we won 2-0. We played pretty well, actually. Hasselbank on 77. Bridge scored a cracker. He was to score quite a few similar crackers coming in from the left, shooting low across the goalkeeper. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, a certain Mr. Worrell and his mates... I think Solari features in this story, doesn't he? Oh, no, not this one. Not this one. <laughs> no, th- th- this one, I-, I was fortuitous enough to... Um... Me and Ugly John flew out on the team plane for this one, um, so that was that was a, a bit of a blag that through through the work connection, um, because uh, before before the game was moved to uh, Gelsenkirchen, it, it was um, there was rumours it was going to be either in Budapest or Prague. Um, anyway, I, I literally got an email saying you and a guest can fly are invited to fly on on the team plane blah 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 um so me and ugly john made friends with joe cole's dad george and watched the game with him um while the the the, the couple of hundred chelsea supporters were in 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 uh in the away end surrounded by turkey united i mean the bizarrest thing about this when we were traveling to the ground by coach you had sort of motorbikes, cars, minibuses, everything, all heading to the ground. With it wasn't Besiktas fans. There was Galatasaray. There was Fenerbahce. It was just like Turkey United um, against the West. Uh, and for some reason, they they all they all they did the whole game was throw cartons of milk um, at anyone. Uh, so yeah, and loo rolls didn't they throw loo rolls? Yeah, there was um, that scene at the end where they, the the Chelsea players came off under umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, and then the goalkeeper well, that they forgot ran running with with his hands on his head. I felt a bit sorry. Yeah, for him. yeah, it was money, money and milk. Um, but yeah, no, that that was uh, that was crazy. I actually fell in love with a, a barmaid in Dusseldorf called Tiffany. Um, it, it, it was unrequited love, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, what balmy! It was a bonkers trip that was. Yeah, excellent um, stuff, excellent stuff. So there we go. Anyway, we we won two nil, which is all that really matters. Uh, we then go up to Bolton, uh, where we uh, sorry, we don't go up to Bolton. Bolton are at home. Um, oh dear, this all went a bit Pete Tong. Um, Crespo opened the scoring on 22 minutes, but annoyingly, Ngotti scored on 39. And would you Adam and Eve it? John Terry scored an own goal on the 90th minute. Uh, Bolton became a bit of a bogey side for us around this time, as I recall. But uh, Mark, we had uh, Mutu and Crespo up front in a 4-4-2. So Ranieri's tinkering, isn't he? He's tinkering now. He's gone 4-4-2. Uh, and this is what Jimmy made reference to in his book about Mutu and Crespo up front not working. I don't know how often they played together after this game. Uh, Jimmy was back in favour and he was either playing with Muto or he was playing, playing Crespo. But they were a bogey team, Bolton. Yeah, every so often they'd pull a result out against us. 
Yeah, I mean, the next side that we play as well, I think they're a bit of a bogey side too. I think we lost against them towards the end of the campaign last season, JK, and we come unstuck in the Carling Cup, uh, don't we? Uh, this is Aston Villa. We lose 2-1 away. Angel uh, on 16 minutes. Joe Cole gets one on 69, and then McCann gets the winner on seven on 78. Uh, Angel uh, tended to miss a lot against us, but was uh, scored a very good goal indeed. Um was Duffer injured? Was he just not playing? Just no, no, no. Duffer was playing. He was up he front. Played, he, up front. Yeah, he was up he front was with Hass- okay. Hasselbank and well, Hasselbank, Cole, and Duffer up front, which is a rather peculiar uh, iteration. Uh, That's right. Of course, he played three four three, didn't he? He yeah. did. Yeah, he yeah. did. So he's, guess what? He's tinkering again. Uh, Mark, you were a bit. Uh, you you nearly didn't make the train back. Yeah, I went up with my mate Dave Rogers. So a, a good afternoon in Birmingham, having a bite to eat and a few beers, and then heading over to Villa Park. But it was it was touch and go. Um, I think there's a 9.43 train from Witten Station we had to run for to make. And if we didn't get that train, we wouldn't then get the connecting train at Birmingham New Street, which was the last train out about 10 o'clock to get back to London in time. So there by the skin of our teeth. But very disappointing. Villa was third from bottom at that present moment in time. We're on this good run. We're at the top of the table. You'd like to think we'd have an, uh, a League Cup run. So very disappointing getting knocked out for Villa. Yeah, I mean, the wheels were kind of falling off a bit around this time. And uh, the interesting thing about the next game, which is the last game before Christmas, is that A, uh, Sven Joran Eriksson was sitting beside, rather ominously, sitting beside Roman Abramovich in the director's box. There were rumours abounding all over the place that Roman and particular Peter Kenyon uh, were seen secretly having meetings with Ericsson. Of course, Ericsson was always being tailed by the press. And of course, he famously, what did for him was a sting by the news of the world. Uh, so this was all over the place. And apparently, uh, Abramovich showed up at the club's Christmas party on Thursday. This is actually the, the date, the 20th of December, where Roman officially became the manager of Chelsea a post in which he was to remain until, funnily enough, last season, the longest standing manager Chelsea have ever had, uh, because he basically went into the dressing room and told the players that he'd bought that he was 100% behind them all, despite the defeats against Bolton and Villa. And uh, as Mark has uh, written in his notes, they did they reacted in exactly the manner he wanted, beating Fulham 1-0 thanks to a uh, an Encrespo bullet header from a Wayne Bridge cross. Now I bet you were you were there, J.K. You like a bit of Fulham away, don't you? Always, always. I love. Were you in the right stuff. end though this time, or were you in the home end? I don't know. Depending who had the tickets, I, I fre- I've frequently watched. Um, even we're going to watch Rangers. I was always with a Rangers mate and having to sit on my hands uh, if the Blues scored. But I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I'd even get up. Uh, if Rangers scored against us or Fulham in this instance, but um, uh, there was no need because we uh, we uh, we beat them. But yeah, the, I think I was uh, uh, with my with my Fulham mates. Um, so what you had to do was just you know get the get the the temperature of the room, as it were. You know, if they stood up, you stood up. Mm. You know, if they were saying somebody was dreadful, you had to agree with them. Really. Mm. Otherwise, you might get your head knocked off. Um, surely, but... surely not against Fulham. Yes. Oh, yes. Even with an even with essentially middle class um, fans, no, they could really lose it if they knew well, you were a Chelsea, Chelsea fan. The hatred was still there. It oh, is. Yeah. It is. But I have to say, mate, I remember this is a few years hence. So I should really tell the story when we get to that season, but. 
I went down to Fulham filming for a game for Nuts TV and my presenter, so it's just me directing a cameraman and my presenter was, would you believe, Gem, the lovely Gemma Keys, Richard Keys' daughter. Oh, yeah. And she's doing a piece to camera and we've got her, I mean, it sounds like we had her on a long leash, maybe we should have done, but uh, she's got the microphone and a very long cable and it was obviously connected to the camera. And about a bunch of 20 Fulham fans, that, that all, all about 16, 17, came charging towards her, bantering her off, you know, get your tits out and all that. Anyway, one of them didn't see the cable, tripped over it, and because she's a real pro, she kind of kept hold of the microphone and then she just she kind of went down in stages, a bit like Ronaldo when he does a dive. And uh, I, I aired this the next day. And I got Jeff Norcott, the presenter, to look very sternly right down the barrel of the camera, doing a you know the intro to the show, saying, "I've got some very, very serious and very sad news to report today on the Shed End, whatever we called the show, Shed Sports." I think he said, uh, "Our our our lead uh, presenter who goes to the away matches uh, was attacked and assaulted by Fulham's top firm." And then we just cut to this scene of these little children, basically, kind of mobbing Gemma and her falling over. And I thought that that, that was quite funny. Anyway, Mark, you got your save me from my tumbleweed moment. Uh, my my memory of this game, um, obviously at Loftus Road, I was in the schoolboy end. But at this time, um, Fulham had a player on loan from Arsenal called Inamoto. And what I remembered is there weren't many Fulham fans there that day because it's Loftus Road and Chelsea always take over Loftus Road. But there was this huge Japanese contingent in the Fulham section cheering for Fulham. But they clearly all bought tickets on the basis of seeing their hero Inamoto. And I think he was out injured and didn't play that day. So they were a bit disappointed. And they were disappointed as well as well because Chelsea won 1-0. Inamoto no-show. That's his brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there we go. So he beat Fulham. Uh, we then have on Boxing Day one of the worst ma- matches really of the season. I mean, there were others, but this one was a real kick in the nuts. And I remember watching this on the telly in disbelief. Uh, when we got beaten by Charlton, 4-2. Horidison on on a minute. Terry got one back on 10. Holland scored a header on 35. Johansson on 48. Ewell on 53. And then Ida got one back on 73. Uh, a certain young man called uh, Scott Parker had an absolute blinder that day. More of that in a minute. But this was an unexpected hiccup. Uh, we put things right uh, a couple of days later with the last match of the year when we played Portsmouth at home. And I do remember being there for this one because... As I said, Wayne Bridge, uh, Winchester's second most f- uh, famous son, uh, played a blinder that day. He got absolutely dog's abuse from the Portsmouth fans, who, of course, in those days were in the East Lower, because uh, that's where we put the uh, away fans in those days. And, and of course, Wayne Bridge was getting dog's abuse because he was on the right-hand side. And, and it's because he played for Southampton, and Portsmouth and Southampton hate each other. I'm delighted to report that Wayne Bridge got more than the last laugh. He scored on 65 minutes. Portsmouth were a pain in the arse that day. They were dogged uh, and defended, you know, with a with a bus in front of the goal, basically. But Wayne Bridge broke the scoring deadlock on 65 minutes and then immediately ran towards the East Stand, giving it back to the Portsmouth fans, cupping his ear, giving them the finger. And I had a prime view of that being up in Gate 17, and I laughed my cock off. Well done, Bridgie. Uh, Lampard got one on 73 Geremai on 82 both of them worldies Jeremy's particularly was this amazing kind of lobbed volley that flew in above the keeper I think it was David James Um, Marcel Desai was on the subs bench Uh, he was paying the price for a poor performance against Charlton 
Uh, but lots of other things happened as well, didn't it, Mark? Yeah, the remarkable thing about this game was the first time Ranieri had not made a substitution that season. He kept, he kept the same 11 on the pitch. And guess what? We won. Yes. Not rocket science, and, is it? And the other thing is John Terry took over the captain's armband. Yeah. With, obviously, Marcel Desailly being yeah. relegated to the bench. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What, what I what I loved about this was, in fact, when when Wayne Bridge ran over to the Portsmouth fans, he actually started running, make, make running into the crowd a little bit, which I thought was uh, uh, um, uh, was slightly dangerous. And he got pulled back by all the Chelsea players because I think he was really enjoying cupping his ear and really giving it to them. But uh, he almost overdid it. There was a uh, on the video. There was a very uh, a very strong-looking Portsmouth fan. He was trying to get onto the pitch, and I think there was going to be a lot of confrontation. But, uh, but good on him. Good on him. They gave him dogs abuse that day. I mean, I remember it. I remember it vividly, Marco. I mean, yeah, we, scummer, scummer, scummer. Yeah, yeah. We're all quite close. So there you go. So um, we finish uh, the we finished the, the year in December in third position, which was a bit of a shame because I mean we had had a few blips in December, which. Had not done us really any favours, and uh, uh, we're now behind. Well, Man United are top on forty six, having played nineteen. Arsenal are second on forty two points, having played eighteen. Arsenal, incidentally, have not lost a match yet. Um, we are pretty much identical to Arsenal. We've got on the same level of points, but the difference is is that we've lost one and they haven't, and they drew two and we only drew one. So you know it's pretty tight. United have got a four point gap, but you know that's that's reelable in. Uh, we are going to talk in part two about whether we were able to or not and what else happened for the rest of the season. So don't go away and we'll see you in part two and not. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.